we're all afraid of the dark inside ourselves. Alrighty, students, take a seat, rip open those trapper keepers, and welcome to the Horrible Film School. I am Chris, here with my good man, Ryan Hootie. What's going on, folks? Excited to be here, as always. Check us out on Instagram, Horrible Film School, and our website, HorribleFilmSchool.com. Recently threw up a merch store. Check it out. Get that merch, baby, just in time for the spooky season. Yeah, go buy our coffee mugs. Hell yeah, man. Put some peanut butter cups in there. I don't know. People do shit like that. Drink your pumpkin spice latte, your PCLs, apparently is what they call these days. PSL, son. PSL. Yeah, right. Starbies, too. That's what we call it in the community, but I digress. Also, uh, keep your eye open on our YouTube channel. We may have some surprise content popping up there pretty soon. We'll uh, speak more to that when we get there. We have a YouTube channel, but what's the name of the YouTube channel? You take a wild guess, buddy. I can tell you there is a link to the YouTube channel on the website, HorribleFilmSchool.com. But if you choose to go to YouTube and find us, it's uh, Horrible Film School. That's a pretty good segue. Yes, sir. And as always, Mr. Nasty here with us again today, my big bro, Joey. Hey, what's up, everybody? Happy Halloween and a happy Sam Hain to everybody. Sam Hain. We'll soon learn that's not how it's pronounced, but... Hey, fucking Donald Pleasance is like, ain't he, wasn't he knighted or something? <laughs> I'm pretty sure he was a Sir Donald. I don't I have no fucking idea. Yeah. Today's assignment, 1981's Halloween 2. Today's lesson, hop on 23 and Me and find that long-lost brother out there. What could possibly go wrong? Hey, if Halloween 2 is any indication, quite a bit. <laughs> Oh, man, he's leading off. Coming in hot. All right, I've inherited the uh, hosting duties for this week, so you guys know to expect a lot of talking. Um, should be an hour and a half episode, so... Uh, Move along with the story. Get comfortable, and uh, let's hop in with a few fan reviews, shall we? All right, this week, uh, as pretty much every time I host, both... Uh, both fan reviews come by way of IMDb. First, let's start with a little bit of positivity. Um, we got a nine-star review titled, I Don't Think Michael Myers Is Done Yet, by Brian Lyon. Hopefully this was written in 1982. Nine stars. Uh, October 2002, quite a while ago. <laughs> he didn't think he was fucking done yet. He's not quite done yet. <laughs> this is the sister movie of the original. And it is great for many reasons. It is not Halloween season officially until my family and I bundle up on the couch, turn the lights down low, and watch this movie. That Specifically Halloween 2. Specifically <laughs> Halloween 2. You don't even go without Is this one. Jeffrey Dahmer who wrote Everybody this? knows how Halloween 1 goes. It's Halloween 2 that you really gets the juices, the uh, collective Halloween juices. That's when you start seeing trick-or-treaters in the fucking streets. <laughs> The acting is bad, but the soundtrack music is the best and reappears throughout the movie. Some of the eerie background music seeps into a scene like a creepy crawler and adds to the tension of the movie. There is something compelling about watching one of the all-time great villains slowly stalking his victims. Before there was Jason, or Freddy Krueger, or Chucky, 
there was the original slasher, Michael Myers. Yes, Jamie Lee Curtis looks a little less naive and childlike, and part two has more sex scenes. But it's like watching a car wreck. You just can't turn away. What It's a Wonderful Life is to the Christmas season, Halloween 1 and 2 are to the Halloween season. You don't turn the lights down too low. Fuck yes. I wish I was that enthusiastic about this. Guy has some strange connection to the holidays, man. Hey, he's very very honest about his opinions of Halloween 2. Every October, I sit on Dad's fucking lap. We fire up Halloween 2 on Blu-ray. When he says more sex scenes, just one sex scene, correct? Did I did I miss something in this film? I don't think there's any penetration, is there? So it's not even a well, sex scene. I, I think there's a sex scene in Halloween 1, isn't there? Yeah. Post-COVID, well, at least we get the after. Maybe he was writing a review for Halloween 1, but in Halloween 2. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad he loves it. Or she. 19 years later. October 2021, Keen Eye129 gives us their rebuttal with his or her three-star review titled, Sam Hain? This movie barely featured a character that felt in any way written. The killing of a 17-year-old in a ridiculous car crash and explosion barely seems to matter. Most people seem unaffected by a psycho killer on the loose, and the deaths are ridiculous. As an Irish person, I really lost interest when it came to the interpretation of Samhain as Sam Hain. Samhain is an Irish word to celebrate the end of the summer harvest and the beginning of winter. The Celtic festival is the true origin of Halloween. Donald Pleasance says it means the devil. It doesn't. A word misappropriated by a British Wiccan culture who can't even pronounce the word. Three stars. Fuck yeah, man. Like a little history lesson in there, too. This is misappropriation in 1981. How about that? I was going to try to read that whole thing with an Irish accent, but I feel like it would have been seen offensive. as racist cause it, like, or offensive because my Irish accent just like quickly devolves into like a Spanish accent. Just red balloons and... Do like uh, do Connor McGregor. Do it as Connor. A word misappropriated by brick and wicken culture who can't even pronounce the word. All right. Next, we're going to hop into our director slash additional uh, cast member slash writer slash all that good stuff. Um, this week or this episode for me, uh, not sure about you guys, is kind of thin. Seeing as how we talked about you know a couple of these guys and gals. For our first episode of Halloween 1. Um, screenplay written and directed or written by uh, John Carpenter and Deborah Hill. Um, came back. Halloween 1. Um, directed by a guy named Rick Rosenthal. Who went on to also direct Halloween Resurrection and a bunch of TV shit. Mm. Trick or treat. He also directed a film called Just Harmless Sex. It's right there in the title. I think he's only directed like three films. That a PG movie or what is that? I have no idea. I, I wish I had done research for that. A little bit of private research here, honey. You mind shutting the door? 
Really got to focus on Anything my notes. Anything you guys want to add about these three uh, individuals? I mean, obviously, John Carpenter's like the guy, you know? Yeah, from what I understand, which I didn't delve too deeply in the behind-the-scenes stuff here, that he was pretty reluctant to do this. It was kind of like, here's a script, leave me the fuck alone, I think is from what I understand how it went down. I watched, uh, as I always do, behind-the-scenes documentary on Halloween 2. Uh, skimmed, skimmed through it. But apparently he was trying to get the fog made, and there was some kind of a situation where he had to write this film in order to get the, the rights to making uh, uh, the fog. Kind of like what George Romero did with his Day of the Dead situation. Uh, but apparently John Carpenter wrote this script without really caring about what was happening and meant for this to be the end of of Michael Myers, like, you know. I've heard some modern interviews, and he's not afraid to say that he created one movie and did not care about anything else that came thereafter. I think aside from this, you know, the contributions he's made to any of them has been as producer, I guess, and then uh, he did an an original score for the newest trilogy, the one that's uh, about to wrap up in 2022. So he's definitely a guy who is not as precious with his IP as most people seem to be, as far as directors. Well, that's the thing. Like, uh, from what I've read, like the Halloween series in his mind was an anthology series. Like he had told the story of Michael Myers and Haddonfield, and the next movie was going to be about you know um, some other Halloween type shit. Oh, happy, happy, happy Halloween! When you make like seventy million dollars as an indie film, it's. Uh, they're going to make you, you're going to make a sequel. It has to happen. Yeah, I think it was just obligatory for his career trajectory, but I don't think, obviously I don't think it's anything he had any passion about because uh, he never really he circled was, back he around. Was actually a little bit more hands-on with this than, than we're leading on because he actually, I think he went and he filmed some shit in post. Like he added, personally added like almost all the gore. Um, there's a scene a little bit later on where uh, Michael uh, Michael goes somewhere without information of why he should go to this place. But it didn't make any sense in the script. So a lot of weird yeah, fucking Yeah, it's a lot of here. weird things. And then it's like, in post, they actually made it make sense of why Michael goes where, where he does. We're going to get there eventually. But he, he actually did quite a bit in post, apparently. Also, shout out Deborah Hill. I don't know if we mentioned it last year, but she passed away relatively recently. So, uh, definitely a, a big I think she contributor to this character. Like 2005. Was it oh. that long ago? Yeah, it was a long time ago. But either way, she created a uh, a genre, basically. So, I think sometimes she gets overlooked in that. Yeah, I mean, she wrote like a bunch of that early shit with John Carpenter, like Escape from uh, New York and and all that. All right, moving on to uh, interesting factoids. I got one that I'm going to spell out here for you guys, and then hopefully you have something to add. Otherwise, this is going to be pretty thin. So this film actually uses the same mask as the original, albeit more worn as uh, the first Michael Myers uh, actor, Nick Castle, Kept the mask in his back pocket, and I guess his ass cheeks and ass sweat rubbing against it, kind of like so much sweat. You know what I mean? And it's uh, shaped a little bit differently since the new Michael, played by Dick Warlock, which is 
like the coolest fucking name. That's a uh, badass fucking ever. name. Uh, he had a, a dog. I'm naming him Dick Warlock. There's no way that's a, his real he, name. It's, that's his name. <laughs> yeah, his, uh, he had a bigger head. <laughs> he had a bigger head than uh, Nick Castle. So the the mask kind of fit him a little bit more uh, snugly. It looks fucking weird. Um, but yeah, once the movie was finished, uh, Warlock was actually allowed to keep the mask as well as a few other props involving his character. Um, that's a big part of why the rest of the masks throughout the uh, throughout the rest of the movies, like all the you know sequels and shit, they look bad. They get rather white. So this is right. the physical, right. physically the same mask you're saying from the original. Yeah, yeah, exact same mask. Yeah. Apparently, so Deborah Hill had kept it under her fucking like bed and shit for like months. Yeah, it, finished, it looked uh, it looked fucking bad. They never, I think we highlighted this in the first one. They never captured the mask again correctly. Well, I mean, yeah, if it's the if same they, mask, you say if they captured it correctly here, it's just been worn out. Yeah, but yeah, it's literally been like an hour since the last time we saw Michael. Yeah, I mean, it's got it's got five years of damage on it. Well, he got here. shot. <laughs> he fell down pretty all, hard on his back. All that could have turned out just fine. Because I'm not going to try to step on your toes. I actually have a little bit more that I wasn't going to talk about. But the original idea for the sequel was going to take place like three or four years after the events of Halloween 1. Um, so if that was the case and they still had that original mask, it would have kind of worked. However, I mean, as you said, Chris, continuity issues uh, definitely come from this. I remember as a kid watching the first Halloween a lot, and at the end of it, I always had a feeling that he was leaving or something, you know? Like, it wouldn't, the story would not pick up immediately afterwards in my mind. Just as a kid, you know, you fill in the blanks and shit like that. I assumed it's like, he's going to come back next year, he comes back every year, he's the boogeyman. And all that kind of gets pooped on here. Real fast. Yeah. Yeah, I really would have liked to have seen John Carpenter and David Hill's like original vision come to life. Um, definitely feel like it's a missed opportunity not having any sort of time jump, but we'll get there. That's I had what, a- probably the shittiest tagline we've heard so far. More of the night he came home. Oh, Jesus, that's what it. That's what it was called. That's how they called it out in the trailer. I'm like. Ugh. Well, I mean, so it's I not a good it, way to sell a movie. I guess it really was more because it just kind of picked up right where you yeah, left it. We just kept fucking recording and we didn't release it for three years. Uh, the, only, the, the only two notes that I had were that Dick Warlock and all of his badass name that he may carry was the shortest Michael Myers ever. And Guess how to. tall he was, Chris. He looked taller than most people out there. I'm going to say 5'10". He was 5'9". It's five nine. I was hoping you were going to say like six three or some bullshit. <laughs> nah, he looked taller than. Well, most no, no, they. Uh, he they was use on lifts. Yeah, they, they use like lifts on him, so he looked uh, taller. I don't know why you said five ten because it makes me think you actually looked it up. Now Nick Castle was five uh, ten. They just go up from there. So. Oh, they go six real foot, far, seven up. foot, <laughs> all the way up. <laughs> This and the other thing I had was this is the only Halloween film to show the morning after the thirty first. Every other movie ends on Halloween night. So you're talking about like the break of dawn the next day. Yes. At some point there was the morning in this 
in this day of the night. It was a long ass night. I know. That it much. was a little bit of a silly long night. Yeah. What about H two O? Yeah, H two O ends in the dark. Does it? Yeah. With the ambulance crash and all that. Y'all know a lot more about Michael Myers than I do, so I'll let y'all ride with this. All right, with all that behind us, let's take a trip back to Haddonfield. Stop! He's dead. No, he's not. Look at him. He's still breathing. Okay. Halloween 2 begins just as its predecessor ends with The Shape, played by Dick Warlock, now wounded from Loomis's revolver and a coat hanger to the eye surviving his former doctor's onslaught and still lurking in the shadows of Haddonfield. Dick Warlock, stuntman, mostly. Uh, worked on Casino, the thing, as well as Christine, plus an ass load of other stuff. Was he a creature in the thing, I'm assuming? Yes, he would have to be. Fucked if I know. Stuntman. I, I didn't know he, he did, worked on a lot of he, shit. Did he, you said stuntman, did he do the flaming sequence that we catch later in the movie? Ooh, I would I hope assume. so. If he's a That'd be man. cool. Yeah. That gets more props as the actor under the mask there. Yeah, yeah, I didn't even think about that. I like that. I really enjoyed the Mr. Sandman at the beginning of the film. I will say, once, oh, at this point, we have we talked about the score yet. Have we heard any of the OG score? Uh, at the beginning of the movie? Yeah. No, it hasn't gotten any of those moments. I thought the pumpkin, like, the zoom in on the pumpkin. Had oh, yeah, 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 Opening credits. Were those the exact same opening credits of the first film? It was a different, I mean, it's a different pumpkin, but it's the same setup. And the skull coming through is different. That wasn't in the original. But the little oh. change to the score here is just not as good, man. There's like some synthesizer thrown in or something. It's a little different. Like it's different, but it's still in like the same vein as the first movie. I mean, it's still good in my opinion. Yeah, but it's you're adding more to it and making it lesser. I don't know why you just didn't keep it. You know, I guess it was what I was wondering. Well, I mean, you got to think about it. Since the '80s, everything had to be bigger and better. This is coming off of Friday the Thirteenth, and just the what the '80s were. It's actually a really good. That's actually a really good point, Udi. Because um, the movie is definitely more. Than, than than Halloween one, in terms of like what's in it. That's that's a good point. I think the score kind of immediately highlighted that for me, where it was it like t- commercialized it a little 30, more. You know? Thirty some episodes to make a good point, Hootie. Good job. <laughs> I made it, guys. I really made it. <laughs> All right, the show's over. We're done. We have achieved our goal. But yeah, I mean, it's a perfect score. It's probably like, oh, in my mind, it's a top five all time. Why? Why change it at all? Well, to be honest with you, I mean, we think we've already talked about it. This isn't John Carpenter's baby, you know. This is John Carpenter kind of experimenting, I think, with his with his score. Plus, he didn't work on this by himself. He actually had somebody come in and work with him. I don't know the guy's fucking name, but I just I know it. Michael is able to elude capture and commandeers yet another kitchen knife, which he puts to use straight away, killing local hottie and domestic violence enthusiast Alice. All while sirens blare and the police search feverishly for the mass killer. And his first kill is super odd. Just the way it's shot. He like jumps at her and like slashes up. And we like see his eyes. It was all just really fucking weird. I think, I, I, I know we've already went over it. Uh, but the scene where Loomis runs out of the house. And the neighbor says, 
Uh, I've been tricked or treated to death tonight. And Loomis just yells at him, you don't know what death is, and runs away <laughs> in the most awkward run I have ever seen. It's like a great fucking ringtone. You don't know what death is. Uh, Mom's calling. You imagine fucking some dude next door just yelling, you don't know what death is to you, trying to get fucking paper. And you're sitting in your fucking underwear. I'm going back to bed. But yeah, the whole, this first kill reminds me of like a, like almost like a Freddy Krueger kill. Because he's like so mobile in the way he like jumps at her. It's super fucking not Michael Myers, you know? He hops, surprise, motherfucker. <laughs> yeah. But I think not to not to keep harping on the, on the apparently one good point that I've made in the entire uh, time of this podcast, but the 80s was all about kills. We saw the Friday the 13th trailer where it literally counted them in the trailer. So they just had to just put Michael into this oh, meat yeah, grinder. I think, it, I think at this point, once the whole slasher, like, the, the slasher genre kicked off, it was literally like a dick measuring contest with, like, who can get the most kills. And if canonically we were following Michael here, we saw in Halloween 1 kind of his, not his method, because obviously he's insane, but kind of the way he stalks people and... How does this fit into his psychology at all? He's, what the fuck is he doing here? Yeah, he seems less he seems less menacing in this film and just more like Like Jason Voorhees, right? Just, he's yeah. not calculated at all. Like well, I think a big part of that is like how much you actually see of Michael in the film. Yeah, like it's definitely one scene. That he's constantly on fucking screen. Was odd, thing, dude. Man. I was like, I've never seen him so brightly lit and standing like in the middle of a room doing yeah. nothing. It's weird, in the, man. In the original, you don't see the guy. Like, he's literally the shape in the original. Yeah, it's I mean, like Jaws he's like, he's the fucking about. statue in this shit. It's like a Jaws effect or something, you know? Also, the girl uh, that's talking to Alice on the phone right before she gets the, uh, she gets sliced and diced. Is actually the same actress that plays Annie from the original Halloween, Nancy Kyes. Oh, nice. Plays who in the original Halloween? Annie. That's not Annie. Yeah, the chick with the no, not the chick who plays Alice, the girl who's Ooh, on the fact checking. Alice, uh, Alice. Oh, okay, I got you. Yeah, so they definitely looked different. Oh, we trust saw Annie. Me. If they had her on her in that shirt again, bro, I'd remember uh. that. Man, the other day I was flipping through AMC. It just started the whole Halloween marathon. It was at the scene of her in the shirt with the butter. I was like, God, man. Taking me back to 10 years before I was Put, born. Shoved that, <laughs> shoved that stick of butter in my mouth, you know what I mean? Final girl, Lori Strode, played by Scream Queen and Activia spokeswoman, Jamie Lee Curtis, having endured the most traumatic night of her young life, is admitted to Haddonfield Memorial Hospital as Loomis and Sheriff Brackett continue their search. Spotting a figure that resembles that of Michael Myers, Loomis, played by Donald Pleasance once again, takes off in pursuit, only for a police car to barrel into the masked figure, engulfing him in flames, presumably killing Michael dead once and for all. This shit had me audibly laughing. <laughs> what was that cop doing? <laughs> That fucking cop gets out the car. He says, I didn't even see him. Motherfucker was driving 70 miles an hour down a goddamn neighbor, neighborhood road. He like in a fucking cul-de-sac, the man. The dude has a bright white mask on with yellow fucking hair. Look like goddamn uh, Michael Myers went Super Saiyan or some shit. And then he gassed his ass into a van that exploded. <laughs> he fucking sped up once he hit him. 
There's a lot to go over in this random scene. This shit was great, man. I was like, I didn't think I was going to be laughing during this fucking movie, but I was. Why was he dressed like Michael Myers? Is my first question. And then, which I guess the Michael Myers mask was in like a in a, in a costume store. So I guess that yeah, he stole it out of the Halloween st- or the general store at the beginning of the first one. Dude just happened to be a mechanic apparently, and also wear the yeah, mask as well. Uh, Star Trek was uh, Star Trek was still popular at the time, I guess. Captain Kirk. But with with the with how Loomis ran after this dude, and who I guess wasn't Michael Myers, obviously, um, <laughs> was just weird. Like he's just he's gone mad. Well, at this point, we still think this is Michael Myers. That's just true. That's We're true. made to believe, We're made even to though believe. we all instantly knew it was not. I mean, I mean, at this point, it's pretty obvious this extra crispy motherfucker isn't Mikey, you know? Because that would be <laughs> I mean, a short movie. The poor kid was like looking over his shoulder, like trying to dodge the car. I was like, this is obviously not a psychopath. I don't know this why he was walking kid. like a goddamn penguin either. Like his arms didn't fucking work when he was trying to walk fast. <laughs> Why did the van explode? Hit the gas Cause tank. Because it's the 80s, baby. I don't know if it... I mean, I get it hit the gas tank. Joy, I don't, good God. I, that's the thing. It's hard to make sense out of like cars hitting other cars and just exploding a ball of fire in, in every movie. But what was the cop doing in that car? Like He has no training in driving at all. He didn't you know even see actual, him, man. You know the actual driver of that movie, who that was? Robert Eggman. Was it? Was it Dick Warlock? It was Dick fucking Warlock, baby. Dick fucking awesome. Dick was actually the stunt man who got hit by the car and ran into the fucking exploding van. So you want me to get hit by the car, hit the van, and then explode? I got it. And you it. want me All to right. drive the car? I got it. I got it. I got it. Fucking one man crew. We could we could figure this out. So did you guys notice the kid going into the hospital with the razor in his candy? He had his mouth oh, cut yeah, up because yeah, yeah, yeah. he had bitten yeah. into a razor blade. I feel like it is because of this specific scene that my mom used to always tell me, you know, they put razor blades in kids' candy. We got to check every piece when you get home. Well, that's I was always like, I'm been pretty like sure it's because old, of this movie. That's always been like an old wives' tale and shit. I think, I think that she was got it from like, this. Well, I don't think, I think maybe she did, but I think it's just the thing that parents used to tell their kids so they wouldn't eat so much fucking candy. I would love for somebody to send us a comment or an email or anything possible with a story to where you actually found something like that in your Halloween candy. I don't know a single person. Apparently it was a big deal back in the day with like uh, like apples. People give out apples and shit for Halloween. They'd shove a fucking razor blade in there. I do remember hearing a story when I was a kid where they used to, people would shove them into uh, McDonald's apple apple pies. Some warm apple pies. Apple pies? Apple pies. Fuck? Somebody working at McDonald's and shoving <laughs> Yeah, they were shoving razor blades into apple pies. Look it up. Looking to get a raise, I guess. If you knew an apple pie, you know what? No, 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 no. Because apple pie, I don't really give a fuck about. That right pumpkin around cream Christmas pies time. Bang. No, no, no. Right around how? No, it tastes like fucking shit. Looks like looks like diaper diaper shit. Good shit. It's a hot take. There's a holiday pie they come out with every oh, year yeah. in November, December, and January. It's that yellow shit in it. Sure, we got the lockdown on all the dates for the McDonald's <laughs> I'm desserts. Gonna t- I'm all gonna the bootleg snacks. I'm gonna give you ten pies, but I'm gonna tell you there's a fucking razor blade in one of them. How many of them pies are you going to eat before you decide I'm not going to push my luck anymore? I mean, if they're I'll do th- they're three. free, they're free. three of them. You going to eat three, three out of the ten? I can't yeah. comment on the holiday McDonald's pies myself, but they do sound delicious from your oh, face fucking, lighting up like a fucking Christmas like, tree. Uh, I think they're described as being sugar sugar cookie filled pies. 
with Ooh, sprinkles like on top. God damn, what's, oh, fucking, yeah. what, what's today? Look at the, the pictures, the okay, Pull them up on your computer. About, Look at the pictures. We got about three weeks, three, four weeks. You're going to be fapping into this. I think I no, would do fuck, five. It's Thanksgiving. Oh, my God. They're going to have pumpkin pies for a long fucking time. Yes. Oh, God. Well, happy holidays, motherfucker. I, I like some pumpkin. Hey, oh, pumpkin pie is gross. I haven't had the pumpkin cream pie, but I have heard it's good. It's pretty all right. Fucking Pretty nasty, all dude. right. Another question here. How was Lori all of a sudden so popular? She was like a bookworm field mouse in the first one, but she gets to this damn hospital, and there's like people peeking around corners and shit. That's Lori Strode. And it's true. I her. At this she point, went to school with my sister. At this point, she's just Laurie Strode. Yeah, and her hair looks a tad rough in this. Like I don't know if it's like due to shock or oh, just no, a bad a, wig. It's a it's a wig. It, it a looks wig, weird, man. Yeah, apparently in a the long early, ass night <laughs> in the early eighties, she actually had her hair cut short. Um, yeah, I think she's kept so. it short pretty much since this time, right? Oh yeah, she kept it short in the True Lies too with the epic strip tease scene. So. I could not finish that movie. True Lies? It's the only James it's like Cameron movie I've never seen. Minutes. No, it's like two and a half hours long, Doug. Is it? It's too know. long. I'll tell you that. It went by way too fast for me, man. I, I love True Lies. And the video game is pretty, pretty good, too. The only question I had when she arrives at the hospital, besides the weird razor blade kid, was why do they draw her blood? So what blood type she is. Yeah, because they got to give her some blood because she's been bleeding, right? She's bleeding out. Has she been bleeding? She got stabbed in the yeah, arm. Yeah, she got right? stabbed in the fucking chest. Oh, uh, okay. Moving along. <laughs> <laughs> I make one good point this show, and it's taken right away. <laughs> yeah, that was pretty bad. <clears throat> Soon after, Brackett, played by, once again, Charles Cyphers, is informed that his daughter Annie was one of the three teenagers killed earlier that night. And in shock... Leaves Loomis to examine the body of the burned mass figure on his own. Yeah, we get to see Annie on the stretcher here. She yeah. took me back for a moment. I know. But Brackett's was, reaction here is fucking terrible. This guy well, is a, either a garbage a fucking actor or his direction was terrible. He's going to What the fuck emotion shock, he was man. conveying here. He's going to be in Halloween Kills. Just so you know. Hey, well, let's, let's hope so, because guess what? This is the last we see him in this fucking movie. Yeah, he was, I was like, what, what do we even he, need him here? He for? I think he said something along the lines of, I gotta go talk to my wife about this shit before anybody else does. Peace, I'm out. He's actually third build in this fucking movie. There's also another cool little tidbit right here. Um, this is Dana Carvey's first ever appearance in a film. The fuck? Yeah. Is he the kid actually, in the mask? No, he... <laughs> He plays like a uh, reporter's assistant or a cameraman or some shit in this. <laughs> wow! Party on, dude! Great. Party on, Mike. It was also about about the situation where I wrote down six shots, bruh, six times. He talks about how many times you shot this fucking man. I shot that motherfucker six times. Six, six times. times. In the heart. In the heart. Shot him six times. In the heart. He's not human. I shot him six times. Damn, Loomis, we know. The way Loomis just pulls his gun out at any weird time of this film is just like, maybe we should take the gun from him? He's a madman here, dude. He's definitely not a doctor anymore. Yeah, Loomis is unhinged at this point. He'll stop at nothing to stop Michael. And I was just waiting for more cops to come up and be like, how many times did you shoot him? 
six times. All right. As if right on cue, Michael, very much alive, reemerges from the darkness overhearing that his last victim, Lori, had survived. And with this news, makes his way to Haddonfield Memorial to continue his Halloween massacre. Lori, recovering in her hospital bed from her ordeal, discusses the horrific events with her paramedic simp, Jimmy, played by Lance Guest, who informs her of the identity of her attacker. Ironically, Lori is the last person in town to find out that Michael is responsible for all this havoc. How cool everybody seems in the in this small town. This is supposedly a very small town that has a man on the loose stabbing and killing people. Everybody seems pretty calm. <laughs> you think there'd be like a, a bigger police presence in places where human beings are as opposed to just chasing each other around the fucking street or whatever there's they're not, doing? There's not one cop the entire time. Yeah, the police don't do a single productive thing in this entire... 90 minutes. There's not even a cop at the hospital. <laughs> they have the security guard. Yeah, they That's have it. a security guard. Hold on now. He's got, got a, run a uh, cop. He's got a fucking mag light and a roll of quarters just in case shit goes down. So I had another issue here with Mike listening to the radio. What the fuck? What is he doing? Like, does he listen to podcasts and shit too? I feel like he needs some AirPods or some shit walking around. Wake me up before you go, go. Because I don't feel like going solo. You remember earlier when I talked about John Carpenter had to film something in post? Did he add this radio shit in here? To make sense of Michael actually heading towards the hospital? (sighs) This was it. This was bad. Literally, they put a sign in this scene that... It said Haddonfield Hospital, and it and fucking an had arrow, arrow yeah. pointing up the street. I saw that. I was like, this, this, is, this, is, this is all done bad. in post. This is lazy as hell. That's what I thought. Like, what? I just don't imagine him, I don't know, I guess going off the first movie, he's the type of guy who just kind of does things. He seems numb to people and his surroundings and situations. But now he's just following motherfuckers who he thinks are going to the hospital and shit, and it's just weird. Like, he has so much, he's way too calculated. Well, we see later why um, he is so hell-bent on finding Lori. Sure we do. We get to that point. Unable to reach Lori's parents due to some service issue, a nurse sends the resident security guard, Mr. Garrett, to check out the phone outage. And this goes exactly as we have come to expect with old Mikey who does his best Tim the Toolman Taylor impersonation and embeds a claw hammer in the top of Paul Blart's noggin. At the coroner's office, Loomis, as well as Sheriff Deputy Gary Hunt, played by Hunter Von Leer, and Graham, played by Jeffrey Kramer, a local dentist, examine the charred remains of the mystery figure. Unable to fully confirm that this is indeed Michael, Gary, now acting sheriff, Errs on the side of caution and issues a sweep of Haddonfield in case the shape still remains. We learn that he has to be a young man because he has no cavities. Oh, was that the specifics? I didn't get that. <laughs> That's what he said. This this body has no cavities. He must be a man 17 years or younger. I was like, damn. Of course he don't have a cavity. Of course he don't have no cavities. He didn't have a chance to eat his fucking candy. He got hit by a goddamn cop. <laughs> yeah, he hadn't even got to pick up. out the razor blades yet. I did not like how the head looked when Michael throws the hammer into it for the security guard. It, it, 
it I don't know it just was not cut well, but the camera did not hide the fact that it was a fake rubber head. Mushy looking. Cuz he there's such it. a there's such a fast cut after it happens. Yeah, it's like split a millisecond of penetration there. It's so weird how it shot cuz this right here this is isn't this the second kill of the movie? Yes, yes it is. All right, there's a super fast cutaway for this kill. But the kill previous, the one of Alice, it shows the actual death, but it doesn't show the act of the actual knife going into her. Like yeah, it shows dinner. the blood splatter. So it's like the other way, you know. Man, it's sure. not consistent. Very uh very sloppy, I guess, is how you how you describe it. It feels shoehorned in. A mob of angry townsfolk forms around the old Myers house as Loomis and the acting sheriff arrive. The place where 15 years ago Michael slew his sister with a butcher's knife remains empty and vacant, a dark relic from the past of an otherwise peaceful town. It's here that a couple of boys inform the duo that their friend Ben Tramer is missing and fits a description of the person who just hours ago was burnt alive. Deputy Hunt and Dr. Loomis once again head out with this new information, checking all possible leads on where Michael may be. Benjamin Tramer. Not Ben Tramer! Yes, this is a callback to the original. Uh, This is the boy that Lori admitted to kind of having a crush on. And Annie said that she would, I'll talk to Ben Tramer for you. He said he thinks you're cute. So yeah, Ben... Ben had a long night, and so did Lori. Bad night for Ben, right? Well, Good night for Jimmy. He about to fucking slide in. Don't mind if I do. Got that little fro going and everything. What's up, girl? What time? Do we have a sense of what time of the night this is? I mean, it's got to be like one in the morning, right? No, it can't be that late. There's like children and shit walking around. Yeah, I think the cops here in front of the Myers house even mentioned like it's not even 11 yet or something, you know? Like, damn, this has been a long fucking four hours. But she was watching the kids at nighttime in the first film. But it gets dark early in October, man. Yeah, I guess it does get dark at like six o'clock. And no one's even going after this guy who put a razor in the fucking kids' candy. Bah. The candy man, that's who really need to be going after. How the fuck you gonna find that guy? You this kid, the candy this man. kid hit 70 fucking houses. While if you go to the right candy. bathroom in uh, Cabrini Green, you'll find the candy man. Yeah, you go find the motherfucker that was giving out Tootsie Rolls and just bash his brains in. He ain't the motherfucker even put the razor in there. He's just giving out Tootsie Rolls. He deserves to get fucking massacred. I lost the tooth to a Tootsie Roll when I was a Fuck kid. Fuck a Tootsie Roll, bro. Them things ain't no good except for like throwing in like creeks and shit. Did y'all have Damn. teachers in, in school? Uh, we went to public school, obviously. Uh, poor, poor kids in the public school. Damn, uh, does that make you poor if you go to fucking hey, public school? Holy shit. <laughs> I'm at the What's same a public school. Of entry to be a Every person I like person. went to public school. Yeah, what the fuck. <laughs> uh, but the, the, the te- I'm saying it from the teacher's respect. We got Tootsie Rolls thrown at us. I'm sure at private schools they probably got fucking full size Mr. Good Bars and shit. Uh, but <laughs> we got Tootsie Rolls thrown at us when we got like an answer correct. We got Red Hots and shit. I remember. There that. you go, Red Hots, little fireballs, cheap shit. Yeah, uh, Maxway grab bags. I was this teacher's pet, bro. Every time I would get some shit right. She would give me a uh, fuck. One of them little Hershey's things with the almonds. Give me in a it. fuck. A kiss? Damn, dude. I would, uh, I love She gave you a kiss, things. you said. Yeah, that's another candy bar I really like. The Hershey's bar? Hershey with the almonds in it? Yeah, I like the almonds. 
I, like I, I fuck around with some nuts. You know what I mean? Shout out to all the public school teachers out there. You got a hard lot of work. Yeah, nowadays they don't give out that kind of shit. They give you like a little bag of Takis or something. Give you goddamn gallbladder stones. I would take some Takis. I saw some Taki flavored something the other day. I was like, I fucking love my candy. Hell, they fuck me up. Like a drink or something to clean you out, Joey. You know what I'm saying? Get that Activia that Jim Lee Curtis always talking about. Mm. She might be bleeding to death, but she's pooping pretty regular. (laughs) She she is cleaned out. Look at that colon on that girl. Back at the hospital, things are starting to get hot and steamy as Jimmy's paramedic partner, Bud, played by Lee Rossi, and uh, Nurse Karen, <laughs> get ready to fuck in a therapy tub, jacuzzi. What is this? Is this the hospital from Kill Bill? I had the same note. What the hell is this used for? I think it's like a cremation tank. <laughs> it's fucking hot in there. I think this is what they boil soup in or some shit. I can't stand the fact that this man wears his watch backwards. You notice this shit? I didn't even pick up on that. You got a real, real issue there, the face of the watch on the inside of the wrist. Yeah, it's it's like a proper, like, dead way to wear a watch. What kind of fucking animal wears a watch? I think that right there (laughs) is actually uh, him doing his research as an actor. I feel like paramedics... They carry bodies and shit a lot. They carry a lot of stuff. So having the 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 dial on your wrist, you're able to just look down. You know what I mean? Well, if he's in, truly in character, then who'd hit me with this song that this uh, lovely paramedic chooses to sing in the break room? Amazing grace, come sit on my face. <laughs> Please don't cry, because I need your pie. This motherfucker just ruined it, so... Uh, You're welcome. That was, a, that was a country version of that song. That was a version. Damn words ain't even fucking right. That was the correct words. I wrote Chris it down. Go, I don't have them written down, man. Let me hear it. <clears throat> Amazing grace, come sit on my face. Don't make me cry. I need your pie. I wasn't that far off. Nice. Yeah, That's pretty close. Yeah, this shit cracked me up. This was my second big laugh of the movie. The first one that was probably intentional. Yeah, guy's great, man. He's so fucking good. You can call the crash for the for the kid. Per, uh, <laughs> it was intentionally funny. Jesus. <laughs> do EMS dude. drivers have this much fucking free time? To be I mean, like taking got, baths and shit. They're waiting on emergencies and shit. Yeah, they got. I mean, it seems to be like they should be busy, considering how many people are fucking dead in this town. It seems uh, like a hell of a hey, night. There would be a lot of people they, getting rushed in they're here. Fuck, they're fucking dead. What can you do for them? They can <laughs> give that kid a ride, <laughs> man, with the mouth. Hey, we got a we got a dead guy on 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 twelfth. Well, he's dead. I think a, a big part of that is the fact that Haddonfield is considered it's supposed to be like a small town, so there's probably a lot of downtime for you. Like, yeah, which is so. why everybody seems weirdly okay. You got time to lean, you got time to clean. It's also why this hospital seems eerily fucking empty. In this scene as well, before they hop in this weird hot tub in the basement of this this hospital, she leaves a room full of newborn babies to go strip down in a hot tub in the basement of this hospital. What's she going to do, breastfeed all of them? I'm just saying, the woman's got one job, and it's to watch babies sleep, and she can't even do that. And her boss is like, 
the 15 minutes you were late could have been the difference between life and death for one of these kids. Yep. And then she proceeds to go downstairs and <laughs> try to fuck butt. So whatever this hot tub thing is, uh, who really gives a shit at the end of the day? Titties. But Michael, being the perpetual cock block that he is, cranks up the heat, prompting Bud to check out the tub's thermostat. But not before giving us a back shot of his droopy-ass balls. We see a lot of man's buttholes in these movies. Have you noticed that? Yeah. Where was the demand for man buttholes, and where did it go? We don't see these as much anymore. Shit, we, we see it all the time in porn. That's well, true. I would, that yeah, I would assume you would. I would assume that you would. With the really bright light on it. Like, okay, I can see the reflection in it. It's like um, the camera's focused on his asshole, and everything else is like blurred out. It's like the depth of I field. I think you're is watching just... the wrong kind of pornography, bro. You were down a really weird rabbit hole there, bud. Did, did you see the, how how hot this temperature gauge red at like redlining? This just like the arrow that said hospital this way was like comically like this is really hot. <laughs> just kept turning it. I was like, okay, this is like is this like a fucking parody movie we got going on here? It's too like hot to fucking, handle. It's like a fucking Looney Tunes commercial in the goddamn. It's like steam and shit coming out the top of it as the fucking uh, as the needle goes up. So Mikey, sick to his stomach of having just seen this man's junk, does us a favor and strangles the guy to death with a towel. Then turning his attention to Nurse Karen. Uh, I think here we probably have a nominee for best kill of the film. Uh, Michael drowns her ass while simultaneously scalding her with the boiling water from the tub. Fucking brutal. Also, titties. Big titties. Biggins. Uh, this did not make sense to me for how Michael, once again, this just seems random. Why is he killing her in the hot tub? I don't know. It just felt out of place for me. Yeah, and the fact he didn't burn his hand at all, but her fucking face is like peeling off. Melted. was kind of confusing. And it didn't touch any of that perfect chest either with this boiling out water. This is definitely a symptom of uh, of uh, chasing Jason Voorhees. This actress was in the documentary that I watched, and she commented on the scene specifically because obviously it's one of the best scenes of the film. This is her scene for sure. I mean, yeah, yeah. Um, so, But she said that the water in the hot tub was actually freezing cold. It was not even, not even lukewarm. Yeah, apparently, apparently she got an ear infection from this scene too because the water was like super gross. I thought you would have got it from sucking on Mike's fingers for oh about God, 10 seconds. Oh, my God, I got seconds, a note right man. here, too. Saying, that was disturbing. Damn, you see the way she was sucking on Michael's fingers in this scene, thinking it was mm-hmm. Bud? You ought to have kept that one around, Mike. Yeah, he should have just, he savored it for a second. I thought it was about to have, like, a scene. Oh, yeah, he scene, liked that know? shit. Yeah, he liked it. She said, I got to go. And then all of a sudden, he jerked his hand away and said, this bitch got to die. Another example of what is he doing? Yeah, he's, like, pretending to be the boyfriend. I don't know. Which I guess in the first he did put on the ghost costume and pretend to be Bob. And the lighting here, this is what I was talking about earlier. He is so well lit in this scene. And he gets so much camera time of his full body. It's just, it doesn't look like it belongs in a Halloween movie to me. It's kind of fucked, man. Because apparently Rosenthal, the way he shot this movie, it was actually kind of paced similar to how Halloween 1 was paced. But this is another 
this is another scene that was shot by John Carpenter to get that body count up, to get that gore factor up. And it definitely just, it like you said, it's out of place. Yeah. It doesn't fit. It definitely feels, with that information, it feels like a cashing a check scene. It, it, it feels like somebody literally saw this shit done by Jason Voorhees and stuck it in this fucking movie. Investigating a report of a break-in at the local elementary school, Loomis and Deputy Hunt discover a child's drawing of a family with a knife stuck through the paper and into a female figure's chest. On the chalkboard, written in blood, is the word Sam Hain, as Loomis puts it. Obviously pronounced Solomon. Uh, obviously. Obviously. That's okay, Irish, uh, I believe, right? Uh, Irish, Gaelic. Uh, Celtic, yeah. I got you. Summer's End is what it means, a festival to usher in the dark half of the year and welcome in the harvest. But Loomis comes up with some crazy-ass shit. The Lord of the Dead is Satanic what panic, baby. Uh, it means Lord of the Dead. This obviously means some evil shit. Before any sense can be made of the word or the drawing, Dr. Loomis's colleague, Marion, played by Nancy Stevens, uh, reprising her role, um, she herself, a witness to the shape's escape from Smith Grove, pulls the psychiatrist to the side with orders from the governor to leave Haddonfield. With no option but to follow the command, Dr. Loomis reluctantly heads out, escorted by his co-worker and a marshal. This is a U.S. marshal. Is this Raylan Givens, Chris? Timothy Oliphant would have made this. He's probably like five here, but it would have been incredible. Loomis, we got to get you out of this town, bud. Meanwhile, Lori dreams of the past, her mother admitting to her that she's not her real mother, as well as visions of a visit she paid to a young boy. Not foreshadowing or anything at all, just some weird dreams that'll definitely not come into play later. Maybe. This had to be something Carpenter did afterwards, right? Because it felt really out of place. I know. I think the only thing Carpenter had a hand in was adding like the gore and shit. But apparently, this is enough to send Lori into a state of catatonic shock. Jimmy, I'm aware of this, continues to white knight profession his undying loyalty and service to someone he met like a couple hours ago. He soon realizes Lori is unresponsive and alerts a nurse who scrambles to locate Dr. Mixter. Before long, Nurse Janet finds what she's looking for. The good doctor in his office with a syringe stuck through his eye. Not wanting her to feel left out, Michael emerges from the shadows and gives her a needle of her own right through the temple, followed by a classic Michael Myers head tilt. I guess Mike's just, you know, trying to figure out new weapons, new ways to kill people, just, you know, experimenting. So we're, we're believing here that he wrote Sam Hain on that wall in the elementary school. Yeah, right? Dookie and Dookie or some shit. And he stabbed a picture. Did he draw this picture? I think. <laughs> it looked like a child drew the picture. <laughs> I well, agree. So, I mean, but what the, just only tell me what, what the fuck is going point, on. Here. He's only 21, right? He's only yeah. 21, Chris. He's never really experienced anything outside the world to give him any sort of artistic vision or artistic He hasn't ability. watched anime yet. I mean, he's got a long ways to fucking go. He's literally, like, just staring at walls, not even, like, talking, not even, like, speaking to anybody, not even, like, engaging anybody. 
He listens to fucking radio, though. Ask Cuba Gooding Jr. about the radio. Oh, um, shit. So why why was he drawing I pictures got, to begin with? I don't know. This is one of those things I'm like, I get what you're doing here, but tell me how this happened or why this happened. I just got an image of him sitting in like a little child's desk, yeah. drawing color. And, exactly. You know, he's Unless he the, just picked up a random kid's homework instead. He's holding a crayon like a fucking knife. It just like, <laughs> <crazy> <laughs> Jimmy, upset that his paramour isn't able to hear his love poem, scrambles to find someone to help on his own. Looking for sassy Nurse Alves, played by Gloria Gifford, leaving his beloved in the care of Nurse Jill, played by Tony Moyer. Hearing a strange noise in the hallway, the nurse leaves Lori all alone to investigate. Michael cleverly uses this distraction he created to his advantage and heads to Lori's room, scalpel in hand to claim his unfinished kill. However, we find that Lori is crafty herself as she realized Michael would come for her. Pretending to be in the state of her unresponsiveness, she's able to escape her room and flee before the monster is able to find her, passing out in a random room. Jill returns from her search to find her patient missing. She and Jimmy decide to continue the search for his paramour, as well as the rest of the staff. Before long, Jim finds Nurse Elves strapped to an operating table, an IV crudely inserted in her arm, draining her drop by tiny drop to her death. Being the goober that this dude is, he turns to run and alert Jill, but slips on the massive pool of blood, knocking himself out cold. This dude's fucking useless. Yeah, this guy's terrible. This was some weird slapstick Evil Dead type stuff. Kind of shoehorned in here. A lot of stuff shoehorned oh, yeah. into this film. Yeah, like Michael's doing like a Dr. Giggles or some shit here. I don't know why you would go through all this to <laughs> set up someone in That's this way good. when you're just known for stabby stab, as some people say. You know, it's just, it's that simple for him usually. So I don't know what the hell he's got going on here. He had to grab this lady, strap her to a hospital bed, hook an IV in correctly, and then drain her blood. I had to take it a while for it to drip all the way through that. It was, it we're going to wait 10 minutes. It was in between coloring, of course. I will say, i got to give it some credit here. The sequence when she is running from Michael in the hallways, when she's sneaking away, I thought was effective. I thought that was the best scene in the movie. Because it just felt so much like the original, you know. Because it's just him stalking around, her stalking away, and then hiding off in that room. It was like the only real... Moments of dread that I actually felt watching it for Jamie or for Lori. Yeah, it did feel like it was an actual Halloween movie. Uh, for like three minutes scenes. right there, they had it. They called it for a second. And just like that, they took it away. A big part of that is like the score during that scene. Exactly, you used the score. There wasn't a ton of dialogue. And it was the two people I'm invested in, in this like slow pursuit, which is... What the whole first movie was. That's what this whole movie should have been, in my opinion. Lori was sidelined way too much. And perhaps the smartest decision of the movie so far, Jill, unable to find anyone, jumps in her car to get the fuck out of there. But surprise, surprise, it doesn't start. The gas tank has been punctured and the tires flattened by someone. Someone that probably wears overalls and is nonverbal. As a matter of fact, all the cars in the parking lot are in similar condition. 
to balance the scales, she now makes a dumb decision. She heads back into the hospital, even after seeing all her co-workers' cars are still there. She finds Lori, now awake, stumbling through the halls, relieved to see a familiar face. Lori turns to face Jill, just as the shape turns the corner behind the nurse. In a display of his unnatural strength, the fiend rams a scalpel into the blonde's back, lifting her a couple feet off the ground. Lori, still doped up and hobbled, tries to make her escape once again with Michael close behind. After a trip down a couple flights of stairs through the boiler room with the security guard's body hanging by a shoplight in there, and a ride up an elevator, Miss Strode is able to narrowly escape and find refuge tucked into the floorboard of a car outside. So again here, with the flat tires, empty gas tanks, Mike is just super aware of everything going to this Dude, he's really leaning in into that whole mechanic aspect of his like his costume. <laughs> that was good up. the overalls yeah, are getting like into his bones now he's learning he's really doing a lot of activities in this short window that, that we're seeing this film exactly I want to follow him around doing all these like menial tasks that apparently he's been doing like pretending to be a fucking doctor well, hey, and going around stabbing fucking... like 30 different gas tanks on the way out of town Marion drops a bombshell Lori Strode isn't a Strode. She's a Myers. She's the younger sister of the serial killer himself. Loomis comes to the conclusion that Michael came home to kill his last living sibling. And with revolver in hand, compels the marshal at gunpoint to take them to Lori's last known location, Haddonfield Memorial. So this man pulls a gun and fires it at a an officer of the law. US and this marshal. man obeys him. What the fuck does he say? He says some funny shit. What do you fucking law dogs say? Fire a winning shot. He blows the goddamn <laughs> hole in the fucking window. You would be put so far into the ground in 2022 if this shit happened. It's ridiculous. Oh, this fucking marshal was the most laissez-faire marshal that ever existed. He's, he's right. literally like, I'm just doing my fucking job, bro. I'm just here so I don't get fired. He's definitely one that gets the, the shit work at the U.S. Marshal Office for sure. Hey, it's a job. He said, <laughs> at least I'm getting paid, bro. Fuck it. Uh, so apparently Carpenter doesn't really love the Laurie Strode connection to Michael Myers. Really, he wrote really. this fucking thing. I understand. You still regret what you make. So I guess the question he w- that he was asking himself right in this must have been, why would he continue pursuing her yeah. for the rest of this night? And that's the best he came up with. Carpenter finds it to be cheap. Oh, I definitely agree. It's lazy as fuck. And if it's true to this character, if I'm supposed to buy this in this 90 minutes of movie, then why was he killing random ass people on the way there? Yeah. If he had a goal, then why go through all this other shit? So does every other Halloween film, so I haven't watched all 12 of them, um, talk about this? Does this, oh, does this, this is, domino this is effect? The, the basis for the rest of the actual, like, sequels. But the new ones... Yeah, like the re- remakes re- and shit like but that. that. Danny McBride Vice. does not regard Halloween 2's existence. It, it takes up for, uh, from Halloween 1 to the new trilogy. Okay. So they are not related in the trilogy that's wrapping up now. Interesting. Okay. She's just a lone survivor of his insanity that night. 
But like Halloween four, five, and six. Oh yeah, it's all family tie shit. It's all family shit. Family tie. It gets, it gets super fucking weird, man. Step by step. Like his day whole by his whole day. like backstory is like. Well, I guess like the reason they they actually come up with the reason why Michael's the one that has to like do all this shit. It's fucking insane. It's so popular they make it up as they go. Uh, eventually, Paul Rudd goes. Don't you be smirched, Paul Rudd here. He goes fucking fist. He's fisticuffs with Michael at, at a certain point. So <laughs> we'll get we'll get there. He, he fucking Ant Man took his ass out. That's where we that's where we end up a little yeah. while down the road. You want some, Michael? <laughs> Suddenly, a figure approaches the car Lori is tucked into. Plopping down into the front seat is that old goober Jimmy, obviously concussed and useless. Failing to start the engine, Jimmy passes out from his injury and Lori exits the vehicle, scratching and clawing her way across the parking lot, too weak to stand. Just then, Loomis and his two hostages arrive and enter the hospital, totally unaware that the person they seek is less than 50 feet behind them. Miss Myers is able to muster up enough strength to make her way to the hospital lobby, just as Big Brother re-emerges once more and stalks her into the building. Inside, Loomis wombs the shape with five more shots. Eleven times! Eleven times! Putting him down for the second time that night. But that ain't enough. Marion heads outside to radio deputy Hunt and the marshal. Even after Loomis warns of Michael's tendency to play dead, decides to get a closer look at the man behind the mask. Bad idea. Michael springs to life, slicing the throat of the lawman before resuming his hunt. Got his Lori, Lori and Loomis take off, locking themselves in a surgery room. He really does like to play possum. Loves it. Loves it. Dude, dude. He lives for that look on people's faces when they, surprise, motherfucker. <laughs> we did have the intro to this movie where they kind of recounted the end of the first one. Which is kind of something we'd pointed out that these '80s horror movies tended to do, where it's like this is, and it had the whole him laying down doing the Undertaker thing coming up, doing the Kane thing. Chris, don't mix oh, up God, the, the brothers. God, son of a bitch. Anyhow, brothers of destruction. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, we've seen him pull this shit before, uh, but yeah, Loomis has to point it out for it to happen yet again. Can we talk about the the goofy ass scene when Michael Myers walks through the fucking door? Yeah, it did not play as cool as it did in the trailer. I'll tell you that. <laughs> it looked like it was shot weird. Like when he goes through it, it almost like there was an yeah, edit like in cut. there. It was cut to like a close up as he's stepping through. It looks okay. wonky as shit. Yeah, it was bad. It was comically bad. I think the third time I laughed in this film was that shot of him just not not wanting to use the door handle, you know? Fuck this door handle. I guess he wanted to use it when he first got there. But then now he's like, fuck it, you know. Jamie uh, kind of crawling and trying to scream out for help reminded me of uh, Scream. Got big Scream vibes from that with Casey Becker at the intro sequence with her parents. But then she could scream. But the, the, the difference there is that she couldn't scream at all. Yeah, she had her, boy, her throat all crushed in. But then Jamie here was... Jamie eventually does scream. Still a little high, I guess. I don't know why she. I, yeah, I think it's part of it. She's like still kind of sedated, and then I think it actually goes back to the dream sequence. Like you know how when you're dreaming and shit, and like you want to yell, like while you're dreaming and you can't yell. 
It's like something has stolen your voice or something is like keeping you from screaming. I think it's kind of like what it's alluding to, even though it's fucking weak. Lori, now armed with the marshal's confiscated firearm, cowers in a corner of the room, and Loomis waits by the door. Michael, being Michael, makes short work of the door, bursting through and stabbing his former doctor in the chest with a scalpel. The fucking face Loomis makes right here when he goes to fucking blow Michael's brains out and the gun just clicks. And Michael just whips his head around and looks right at him. Is like, it's fucking classic. You're talking about funny moments. That shit is like, that shit is fucking Bugs Bunny, Elmo Fudd type shit. <laughs> Michael turns his attention to his sister and approaches Lori, who somehow two taps Michael in the fucking eyes. Blinded, the hulking figure swings wildly while a loom. While a wounded Loomis and Lori crank open oxygen tanks to distract the brute. Lori makes a run for it, and in a noble act of sacrifice, Loomis fires up his lighter, blowing the room to smithereens. Lori watches in horror as a figure emerges from the devastation, engulfed in flames and holding a scalpel. The monster, the myth, the animal, the shape, collapses to the floor. Justice for Ben Tramer. This, all I can say is this is the 80s. This explosion is just like, we got to go big. We, we, we got to go bold. We got to blow the fucking room up. I really wish Loomis would have said, trick or treat, motherfucker, right before he lit the letter. That would have been badass. So we're supposed to believe that Lori uh, is able to to shoot him in the eyes, both eyes specifically, uh, just, just that dead eye, huh? She's got oh, yeah. killer blood, man. I don't even think she cocks back the fucking hammer on this goddamn 357, bro. She don't need to. She just pulls that fucking trigger. Bang, bang. Two ah, shots. Ah. Ski, <laughs> bang, bang, ski, ski, motherfucker. This was a six shooter, right? I mean, who fucking knows? Six I mean, shots. Assume, it's a revolver, right? we assume. It's Dr. Man. Loomis reloaded that thing. You you, you know it. He had that quick, uh, quick load. <laughs> a doctor had a quick load. <laughs> But yeah, the whole swinging in the dark and not stepping forward and progressing towards your targets. I get what they were setting up, but him just swinging around in the dark like a damn orangutan, it got a little annoying. The sound effect didn't help either. He looked like Declan over there trying to hit a pinata, bro. Exactly. I'm like, he looks like a child. He's not. He's He would literally walk over to Loomis and then stop walking and keep swinging. I was like, okay. You know the actor's right there in front of you. Well, it's no, nah, it's Lori. Like he would turn on like the spigot or whatever, and he would go that way, and then Lori would be on the other side of the room doing the same shit. He didn't know where to go. Yeah, I don't buy it, man. This guy listens to NPR. He's he's keen on his ears. The Michael death scene, where he walks out of the fire and then eventually falls over dead, was very cool. The police arrive, and Lori ends her night at the hospital the same way it began, in the back of an ambulance. So ends 1981's Halloween 2. Mr. The back Sandman. Of yet another ambulance. Make it the cutest that I've ever seen. Give him tulips like roses of clover. 
Hey! I fucked at his song. That's good. Glad I got the imagery in my head now. And so does our audience. So that wraps her up. Boyos, are you ready for the real question here? Is, are you ready for Halloween 3? Shit's about to take a lift. I want to buy a mask. Uh, I'm kind of excited to see it. I've never seen it. We should all three go in one of the masks and record it. I'm not a big fan of the Halloween series. I'm not either. We're in the same boat, bud. Onward through the fog. But wait, we're in the same boat on that. I fucking love Jason. Friday the 13th is my shit. Can you buy the masks for Halloween 3? Is that Are they uh, commercially yeah, available? Oh, yeah, they, no yeah they're doubt. available. You can probably There's get them no super cheap, too. But you're going to get, like, shit tier quality. I did see McDonald's is re-releasing the plastic Halloween pails. You remember those? Yeah, I saw that, oh, too. They glow in the dark, bro. They get the glow There's in the dark. Ghost, the ghost. The, like, Frankenstein. Uh, what was the other one? A witch or uh, something? A pumpkin head, right? Or a pumpkin. Might a pumpkin, yeah. There was a pumpkin head theme. Jack-o'-lantern, you fucking weirdos. (laughs) They coming back, baby. Which piece of memorabilia you guys want to take home from the lovely Halloween 2 from 1981? This was not easy, fellas. There is not shit in this film. In my opinion. I don't know. Maybe I'll have something better than I have. Uh, But with the fall weather settling in here in the southeast, give me Brackett's police jacket. Big old puffy green goodness. That's what I'm taking. See, you motherfuckers are behind the game. I knew what was going to happen in this second movie. That's why in that first movie, I said, give me the headstone. In that episode we reviewed the original, uh, I decided against taking Michael Myers' mask, but this time, I'm going to get it while the getting is good because these masks are going to look like shit for the next 30 years. Give me the Shatner, baby. You didn't fucked up. I said specifically not that busted ass mask. Because nah. <laughs> I took the original. <laughs> Old mask. busted. Now you're going to be stuck with a fucking hypodermic needle or some bullshit. Let me get Dr. Loomis's outfit. That swag ass long coat over the oh, it's a trench brown coat. suit. It's like a Columbo man. look? Yeah, the brown suit. It's 70s as fuck, man. I like that. 11 times? I shot him in the heart. Lloyd shot him in the fucking eyes. 11 times? Should have invested in a flamethrower, obviously. He's an animal. Sam Hain, the animal. And we never wrapped back around to Sam Hain. We just threw that shit out there, just a little satanic panic, and never covered it again. Uh, apparently, it, the novelization of the first movie um, delved into Michael's backstory and the whole Sam Hain shit a little... There's a, a little more in depth before before the actual second movie came out. I think it it adopted that from the first movie and tried I might to make have it read a tie this in. book. This is a real oh, book. Hey, it's been like a bestseller. Apparently, it was really fucking good. I might check that out. What's it called? Just like Halloween something. Yeah, it's like I got things called just Halloween the novelization of the most Halloween the book. Halloween the book between the first and the second movie. Terrible title. More Sam of the Hang. night before he went home they and then he came Sam back. Hang. All right, boys, let's wrap this baby up. What's your letter grades for Halloween 2? 1981's Halloween 2 did not deliver nearly as much as the first installment, as probably we all going to repeat. In its defense, sequels almost never come close to being even remotely as good as the first film. John Carpenter clearly wrote this film for a paycheck, and it lacks the love he demonstrated with the first Halloween installment. The concept of film of the film taking place directly after the first film was unique, and I really liked that approach for it. 
And because of that, it does give it a little bit of a better letter grade bump for me, and that's going to be a C plus for Halloween 2. Can a horror sequel to an A-plus retain any of the value attached to the OG? This movie definitely does not. The years that passed between this and the original felt tangible to me. The camera and even some of the actors feel as if they're doing a failed send-up to the first movie. It just comes across as a movie that was afraid to do anything new, already beholding to its predecessor. This lack of anything new, minus the soap opera family ties, throw-in is lazy and not exciting to watch. R.I.P. to what might have been. I'm going with the C-. minus. Let's be real here. Halloween did not need a sequel. Just the fact that this movie exists feels like it somehow taints how John Carpenter ended the original and cheapens what that film achieved. Michael Myers doesn't have to be Jason Voorhees to be scary. The fact that he's human, that he is only a man, and yet he does these things, these vile and heinous murders purely because he's evil, that's what makes him memorable. That's what makes him terrifying. With that said, as a movie, Halloween 2 is mediocre. Dot on Pleasance as Dr. Loomis is fantastic, albeit pretty one note is the exact same character he portrayed previously. Uh, I'm sure Jamie Lee Curtis would have also been great had she actually been in the movie for more than 25 minutes. Once again, John Carpenter helms the score, and it's a banger. There's not much uh, else to really say about that other than it's fucking awesome. Um, I appreciate the added gore and kills personally, but I feel like part of what made the previous film so successful is its focus on building the characters not just adding generic victims to up the body count. Aside from Bud. I mean, that dude's, uh, that dude's my hero. Sit on my face. The imagery and cinematography, like the score, is more of the same iconic and one of the highlights of the movie. The pacing, on the other hand, is sped up in contrast to the original's deliberate slow progression that was perfect for building suspense. Halloween 2 plays much more like a run-of-the-mill slasher Whereas Halloween 1 feels like something special, something unique, something worth remembering. I know this movie is a sequel and all that, but it's delivered as a continuation of the first. With that being the case, I do feel like it's fair to compare it to its predecessor predecessor as much as we are. Um, In summation, bland, middle of the road, unremarkable, Halloween 2 gets a C. All right, let's go over the audience scores. We guessed this was for no prize, as this was a assigned piece of homework. We'll go in descending order. I went with a 78. Cap it on the air. The original came out. Joy said 70. Hootie said a 67. The actual audience score for this was a 63. Ooh. Hootie could have got, got to tickle the biscuit. I feel like we remember this movie being way better than what it was. I had forgotten quite a bit of it other than him and Lori in the hospital, which on the revisit was the best part, best part for me. But to circle back around two weeks ago, or two episodes ago, Mr. Joseph nailed his guess. Absolutely nailed. We he going sp- back took, to He back. took the guess, he back shoved its face in the back. water, and then took it out and then put it back. We go so, back to back. The floor back shall back. be yours, brother. All right, I'm going right to the, uh, cutting right to the chase with us. I'm no fucking sugarcoating this shit. Don't you sugarcoat it. Second feature length film 
from one of the most polarizing modern masters of horror. Someone that comes Quentin Tarantino approved. That's right. We're talking about Eli Roth and 2005's Hostel. I saw this film in the theaters with my mother. Oh, what the fuck? The hell were you and your mom doing in 05? <laughs> Dude, I saw that don't know. Why? Uh, it was, I think it was one of the last movies I, thought, I, I thought it was the last films I saw in theaters for my mom. I thought, seeing, I thought me seeing this movie in the theater was a fucking story. Apparently your story is <laughs> I remember. I got some memories attached to this, but it's definitely not something I went to a theater to see because it's not my genre or not my flavor. Of Where horror. was your mom's at, Chris? Oh, it's mine, baby. All right, folks, we're going to hop on YouTube, watch the official trailer for Hostel from 2005. Let's go. It's going to be awful. Rated R, you say? Got all screen gems. Oh, they did all the Saw shit too, right? And that Lionsgate. Sickest fantasies. Is this a sexual movie? Talk about getting it in, Chris. Oh, what the fuck? There's a toe. Who do you want to suck on that toe? I don't think I've seen this movie. Are you serious? I'm pretty sure I haven't. Didn't realize Tarantino presented it. You've never seen Hostel? I don't think I have. You said that like such an old country dude. I don't <laughs> think I've seen show, that. Like, it didn't even show the good shit. Oh, that was a good trailer. Yeah, the good shit he means by other body parts getting chopped off would be the good shit. I don't recall any of that damn thing, man. I might never. I don't think I've ever seen that. Not looking forward to that. Finally, we're gonna have a fucking movie where we're actually gonna have a discussion about why I like it so much, and you motherfuckers don't like it. All right, boys, let's play the game. What do you think an audience would give Hostel from 2005 via the Rotten Tomatoes percentage scores? So yeah, the presenter is not eligible for the guest. Well, here. you think I'd fucking order. cheat and make y'all There's watch no doubt Hostel too? Right if anybody's this. cheating here, it's this bastard. So I'm gonna take the I'll take the lead here. I'm gonna say this audience score is a forty percent. Fifty-two. Alrighty, folks, thank you for listening. Check out the website horriblefilmschool.com to find us on all podcast platforms as well as links to all the social outlets. Give us a follow, leave a review, send us some long-lost relatives. If you happen to peek on there, you may notice a link to a YouTube page. We will be presenting some content there pretty soon. Uh, much shorter form, uh, shorter format reviews of new stuff. So uh, subscribe there and keep your eyes open. We'll uh, not necessarily see it on the schedule, but we will be popping up there as well. I'm going to offer my support to women stumbling around with a cracked ankle. I can certainly empathize, and I wish you a speedy recovery. As always, if you're hearing our voices, tell at least one person you know, spread the love, spread the campaign. 
Check us out, as, as Chris alluded to, on all of our social media platforms. Uh, I'm pretty active on our Instagram page. Come over, talk to us, give us a shout. Let's hang out. And I'm out. Thanks for the likes, follows, listens, shares. We appreciate your time and your attention. Um, if you have uh, a few moments available, be sure to check us out on all our uh, platforms and the merch store and the YouTube uh, channel. Uh, our content on there I would describe as bite-sized, whereas these reviews are like king-sized, you know, in terms of like candy. Just in time for the Halloween season. Just in time. So join us for our next episode where we mutilate and torture 2005's Hostel. We'll see you in the next one. Happy Halloween and class dismissed.